welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. Uh, it's me, Josh Hartley, uh, my usual co-host, Ben Porter. Hello. And we are joined this week by Bez Shariari of Stuff by Bez. Bez is a uh, games designer. How are you doing, Bez? I'm doing very well, thank you very much. And yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be back in Glasgow. Just got here in time for Glasgow Games Festival, which yes. is coming up. And yeah, normally stay in London, so... And I'm excited to be on. Yeah, excellent. Thanks very much for coming on. Uh, So uh, later on in the episode, we're going to talk about some of the games that you've made, talk about the process of uh, designing them and getting them published. Uh, But first, we'll just do our usual roundup. So um, (laughs) to be honest, Bez, you've definitely got the most exciting news out of the lot of us because you've just been uh, to Essen as well as a... uh, uh, and you had a trade store there as well, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, that's right. Um, I just got back um, just over a week ago. Um, yeah, I mean, you head over on the Monday as a trader, mm-hmm. Get got there on the Tuesday, set up everything. Wednesday was my chance to go around, have a wee yeah. bit of a look. And I am put up a couple of videos of me literally just running around with the <laughs> iPhone in my hands. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean... When there's people around, I mean, people get into the way and you can't see anything. Yeah. So it's actually so much better on the Wednesday and, you know, before the trade hours o- actually open. And then you can just run around and see everything yeah. and it's yeah. so much better. Kid in a candy shop moment. Exactly. <laughs> so what um, what games did you uh, get a chance to try out and what stood out for you? So honestly, um, I tried three games during Essen that weren't at my stand. Sure. So um, the games I tried, you know, they were just things that I, on Sunday, I took like an hour and a half off. Mm-hmm. I had like, a, but it was just as I was, because just for the listeners, I've just spent a lovely evening with Josh and Ben having dinner. Yeah. By, am I allowed to see your wife? Yeah, 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 yeah of course. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, cooked <laughs> by the lovely Charlotte yeah. and then, which thank you very much. And, yeah, I was saying how one wonderful thing is just, you know, as a designer, you go and you meet other designers, you meet other people in the stalls, and it's like, oh, you know what? I really am excited by the sound of Freedom and Freeze's Flea, Fortress, and Fear games. And also, I liked Strawberry Studios games. I mean, Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, do I have the cash for it? But then, when you've got your own games, and then, well they cost me a bit less because mm-hmm. it's production costs. Yeah, yeah, of course. And so it's like, yeah, being able to swap that for someone else's thing is amazing. And so I managed to come back with like 25 things. Yeah. And there was <laughs> even like a big stand at Abacus Spiele mm-hmm. where they had like big box games uh-huh. that were reduced. Like one of them was Charlie, two euros for it. And it was like, okay, no matter what it says, even if I play once and it's like, meh, yeah, it's a game for two euros. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and then so I actually just had one copy of Wibble Plus Plus, and then mm-hmm. was like, you know what? Would you trade this for that and that? And I had like two different big box games. I love because it, it's something I had no idea that happened. You were talking about it earlier about swapping games with other developers. I love that idea. It just reminds me of being back in the playground and like yeah. swapping Pokemon cards, sw- swapping lunches. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it's like a lovely way also to meet people mm-hmm, to build yeah. a camaraderie, and yeah, I got to yeah. I mean, last year there were some people um, who 
came round and said, oh, would you swap this with us? Would you mm -hmm. swap this with us? And I was like, wow, people are actually wanting my game to swap for yeah. Dershia. Yeah. Which, sorry, which Quite was pretty encouraging cool. in a way. Yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, this time I was a bit more proactive and mm -hmm. it was like, yeah, you know what? This crazy game from Korea that I've never heard of called Presence or... All right. Then this game from China all mm -hmm. about kitties, which kind of was <laughs> a simple mind-reading game of. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, over the past, I'm so blessed also with my recent housemates. Uh -huh. um, they've are quite into games now a couple of them and yeah. so over the past two weeks since Essen we I've played like 16 different games so you've got your own little squad of guinea pigs there exactly <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe a bit harsh to compare Bez's housemates to guinea pigs we haven't met them for a start so I should say by the way for the benefit of our listeners um, the, the, the facial hair has really been upped by Bez's presence yeah. uh, tonight. Normally, Be Ben is representing with his uh, beard, but so that you, Bez you, has. Uh, I think Ben, just for the listeners, because you know you never talk about your appearance. I mean, just so you know, like Ben has a really nice, thick, lustrous um, bit of facial hair. I mean, that beard is dangling. Almost to the yeah. nipples, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's very, yeah. very observant of you. <laughs> Long hair, almost matching it in how low it yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, but Bez, I would, I, I would describe. It, it reminds me of uh, Leon Trotsky more than anything else. I don't know if that was the intent, but that's the first person that came to my mind when I yeah. saw your beard. So, so but, I mean, and the, Josh the, is the good, baby face. Yeah, I was going to say Josh's beard envies off the charts. Right I, know, I know. It's it's a running joke. It's not a joke. It's I'm, I don't I don't want to grow a beard. If I could grow a beard, I wouldn't grow a beard, but I can't grow a beard. But that's fine. That's nothing. Yeah, that's, that that sounds like an excuse to me. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you so you were out in Essen for uh, you you said you went out on the Monday and then you stayed. Did you just fly back the following Monday? Well, it was a drive because when oh, you've right. got to stand and then of you've course. got everything to take and yeah, again it's like kind of a really nice developer community. Mm -hmm. So like 2016 was my first year to go and it yeah. was all thanks to Dave Cousins who I yeah. know who said yeah come and share my yeah. stand with me. You can have. And then Alan and Charlie Paul, who from Surprise okay. Terror Games, mm -hmm. and then they let me come along in their car. And this year I was like, yeah, can I come in the car again? And then I shared the stands with somebody else. And it's, I mean, there is such a close, tight-knit community mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. developers, especially if you are spending time and making your games the way they should be made, mm -hmm. you're going to be playtesting with a lot of other designers. Absolutely. And so it's, yeah, you're going to be meeting a lot of them. Yeah. So obviously we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about the games that you've uh, show, uh, showed us uh, mm. later on, but like rough estimate, how, how, many, how many games of Wibble++ did you play over the, the show? I don't know. I mean... I sold, I think, 80-something, okay. so it must have been... I mean, I think that more than half the time I actually played a game, I sold mm. something. So I'm going to guess not that many, like maybe 150. Okay. 
you, I mean, you're, sometimes... very, you're very good at it. <laughs> Which has a, it seems like an obvious thing to say if you've created a game. You probably I don't know. Pro- like with a strategic game, there's an old joke that's often the designers the worst at it. Do you know? I, I have yeah. heard that. That's quite yeah. a common uh, complaint in games development is that <laughs> you, you have these de- uh, designers playtesting something internally for months, then they get it out to the public, and they just don't understand how these people are so good at a game that they've created. Well, it's created. a different skill. I mean, yeah. if you look at Magic the Gathering, yeah. I mean, the whole reason that they've got designers and developers, and then you've got people like Mark Rosewater, who's amazing at design, mm-hmm. and, you know, he could probably beat me at Magic the Gathering. I don't know. I've never played him. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, he's nowhere near as good as some of the people on the Pro Tour. And um, whereas the developers, who are actually doing the balancing those are the people that you need to kind of know the numbers and who need to be playing it at a really high level. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting you bring up, because I, I was actually just going to mention Magic the Gathering. They've actually, because it's been a complaint within the competitive side of the community lately that the game has not been very well balanced, particularly in like the standard format, which is uh, basically the last two years of cards. So what they've actually done is they've hired a team of former professional players just to play test. They're, they're not involved in the design or the development. They just play test so like it. De- debugging it, essentially. Yeah, basically. Because quite... I think that you know they had the design development splits and that was mm-hmm. originally what they were thinking the yeah. modern developers would be. Yeah. Just kind of debugging it, mm-hmm. as you say. But like as time went on... They, the developers became to take on more and more responsibilities yeah. until nowadays you know the developer team they actually add a lot more cards yeah and then they think about you know the different the po- 10 possible strategies that you can do with each set whereas mm-hmm. yeah i've heard about this what was it called like play experience team or something like that yes so uh, the i think for me the most notable member of it is uh paul chion mm-hmm. who as well as being a former pro player did a lot of streaming on Twitch. Uh, he was one of the hosts on Channel Fireball's Magic TV uh, once a week as well. He, he, quite a notable member of like the online Magic the Gathering community. Uh, they did hire other people as well. I think um, uh, Melissa De, um, Melissa De Torres. Yes, I think she because she has worked for them in the past. Mm. I think she might have been hired again i'm not sure i mean i think got... some people from the development team might have gone yeah to that team i imagine i imagine there's a lot of sort of internal movement in and there like well. now they've got some slightly different focus as well that mark rosewater has written about mm-hmm. but i mean ultimately one of the things that mark rosewater again says about magic is that there they've got so many resources mm-hmm. i mean they are owned by hasbro the biggest company and like Magic the Gathering is like one of the biggest selling games in the world. Yeah. I mean, you you could probably make an argument that it is the biggest selling game, to it, be fair. It's pretty, I mean, it's without a doubt one of the most successful, certainly in the uh, sort of take the table top. But I, I would say, even uh, uh, considering video games as well, it's definitely up there as one of the yeah. highest grossing. We could pro- we could probably do an entire episode on just you know the influence Magic the Gathering has had. Oh, on, tens on ta- of episodes. Yeah, that uh, not only on tabletop. I, I always argue it was the original downloadable content, the mm. bo- the booster pack, that idea of just paying a little like small transactions for a little bit of content. 
Well, it's, it's one of the things that now plagues video games, and it's a huge complaint, is the loot box, which is yeah. essentially the booster well, that's pack. That's a booster pack, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um... But yeah, back to what we were saying. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm probably going to get better than you by having by virtue of having played many mm-hmm. hundreds more yes. games. <laughs> and actually, a couple of times during the show... I played in French um, because some of the people there, I'd say 95% of the people there speak enough English to play a strategy game. Mm -hmm. But a word game is something slightly more advanced. And I'd say maybe 85% of people speak good enough English for that. Mm -hmm. Whereas the remainder maybe want to play either in French or German. Mm -hmm. My German is not good enough but it's weird it's not about how good your vocabulary is to talk it with a word game it's all about do you know words it's just it's, it's memory isn't it kind of yeah and to be honest with french i can just shout random words like coordinator i'm never going to talk about my computer in french or in german <laughs> but um it's a word that i can use in a word game yeah and i can also use um you know things like orange I know that just because yeah. it sounds a bit like yeah. orange and it's a good word maybe to use in the game. Is yeah. it, but it, I we, actu- we actually borrow a lot of words from French. Like yeah, like restaurant. Things like yeah. that, yeah. Mm. So, I, so how was playing your own game in a foreign language? Oh, I've, I'm actually fairly good in French. Okay, right. Yeah, you, are you practically fluent then? Or? No, no, I mean, I'm fairly good at playing my game in French. Okay, right. <laughs> I'm terrible in French, but... <laughs> I'm, I mean, I took French and German at school, but yeah. I'm terrible. I couldn't explain. I mean, the other thing, maybe this is getting too far into jumping ahead, but like I was teaching Yogi, mm-hmm. which I'm really privileged. Like it's come out in German and mm-hmm. other languages as well. And so I asked my friend who spoke German to teach me how to teach that in mm-hmm. German. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it was... You know, you only need to know about five sentences and then you can teach the entire game, which is quite easy <laughs> because it's like eine Karte nehmen and by the end of the weekend I could almost do it. <laughs> and then just watching other people play in German and listening to their mm-hmm. German pronunciation, it improves your language and it's kind of teaching you a new thing. Yeah, so. yeah. The good thing with uh, Yogi is, uh, again, we'll talk about it in more depth later, very physical game, so yeah, I can totally <laughs> see, you, w- you wouldn't need an awful lot, uh, you wouldn't need to know an awful lot of German to be able to teach it in ger- exactly. <laughs> to German people. Exactly, it is probably one of the easiest games to teach. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So obviously that was the, the the big thing that you've just done. Yeah. Have you have you been doing uh, any other gaming lately? Obviously um, you you're always uh, designing and play testing your own so games as well. I thought I'd show you a couple of yeah. photos. So ignore the really busy tablecloth. Yeah. But um, this is Burgle Brothers. Burgle Brothers. So, um, what we're looking at here is a collection of tiles that are the rooms in. Mm-hmm. A heist-type situation. And so this is by Tim Fowers. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned that his stand was fairly close to mine. And, yeah, his wife was nice enough to give me a copy of this game. Oh, fantastic. And it's really cool. I played it um, with a friend, played the easiest setting, we failed. (laughs) And played it a second time. 
and then we failed again, but we managed to get three quarters of the way through on our second okay. attempt. So I thought like we'd done pretty well. So you've got the tiles there. Is it is it procedurally generated? Is exactly. It, yeah. So you shuffle up these. Um, each floor is four by four, mm-hmm. and each floor needs to have stairs going up, and it needs to have a safe. Mm-hmm. And so the way it goes is. The other rooms, you don't know what they are. You can run, which is move, and yeah. then see what it is. Or you can peek and then move. But that takes more actions. Fantastic. And every yeah. time you do a turn, you've got so many actions. Mm-hmm. Then the guard moves, and the guard's going to somewhere, and then it goes somewhere else. And if the guard ever comes by you, then you kind of lose your sneak points because you can only sneak for so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, free hits and you're out kind of thing. And so, yeah, you're kind of going around trying to find out the, oh, these are the ducts. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is the computer that turns off, you know, this is going to turn off a future trap. Oh, this is a trap. Oh, we've activated it. Oh, if we go slowly here, we'll be okay. Oh, as long as, and then you kind of check things out. You learn the layouts and then you try and avoid the guards. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you know where a guard's going. Sometimes you only know the guard's going to this next space and then you don't know anything beyond there. Mm-hmm. So there, it's a really nice balance of information mm-hmm. and not knowing what you're doing and I, I'm looking forward to playing a lot more I love, I love the theme as well. I like I, Every time I think, oh, okay, we've, we've done everything. It's in very 90s, 1920s looking. Yeah. Mm. It's, very, it's very stylized. Do you know what? For, the first thing that came to my mind was Ocean's Eleven. Exactly. And it's like, why, why have we not done a co-op <laughs> game before? Like, Pulling off a heist—that's yeah. brilliant. And, and I like, so I, I really want to give this a go. It look the art style. Um, I'm hopefully, would, will we be all right to share these photos on our Facebook, on our website? Um, yeah, I can maybe email them or something. Yeah, yeah. it it looks fantastic, guys. It's got a really distinct art style. Uh, very retro, like you very, very roaring twenties. Yeah. So yeah, and. The guy, Tim Fowers, has worked with this illustrator again for mm-hmm. a game called The Fugitive, which is just a two-player thing. Okay, yeah. And Paperback, which is a fairly well-known mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. words, card drafting, um, yeah, deck building game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, he's got a really nice aesthetic. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely... Uh, do you know if he's going to be at the Glasgow Games? Oh, no, no. Nah. Um, he's from America, so... Oh, right, okay. Honestly, <laughs> um... I'm not sure if he's going to be at UK Games Expo, but right. that would be the only UK game thing that's... that that he would be. Essen is the big one, yeah. isn't it? So, well, yeah, I mean, Essen's the one everyone goes to. Essen's like, I mean, I think there were 187,000 people, like at Essen's. Like, by people argue, but um, it's definitely in the top two in the world. Mm-hmm. Whether it's yeah. that or Gen Con, you can argue about, but yeah. who cares, really? They're both. Yeah. Both, both fantastic yeah excellent excellent well uh looking forward to that coming out and uh, giving that one a go did, uh, did you did you get a chance to play anything else uh, so the show? well this is something i played a few days ago it's um hold on so i played um pilos mm-hmm. which is a game um where you're just putting balls on top of each other Wooden balls. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. As opposed to steel balls. Or yes, of course. Or yeah, yeah. Any other material that you'd make balls from. <laughs> a really nice abstract game, also made by Zhigamek, the company that... Yeah. Um, and then 
yeah, it's quite clever. I played it against a designer, um, mm-hmm. lost, and then I've not lost a game since. Although I've only played against two people, to okay. be fair. But um, so it, that, you're, that... Mate, you're mm-hmm. trying to... You've both got an equal number of balls. Mm-hmm. Someone starts, so they have a slight disadvantage because they're trying to be the last one to play a ball. Mm-hmm. So right. your ball can be on top. Mm-hmm. So okay. it can be on top of the pyramid. Yeah. And That's whenever yeah. you um, put make a square or four, you can remove your two of your balls. Okay. And it, and when he said this, I was thinking, you know, what's what's the point on yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Because it kind of feels unintuitive. It doesn't feel yeah. like you are getting any benefit by mm-hmm. taking two of yours off the board. Mm-hmm. But actually by doing that, that means that the other person has to um, put two of theirs in to okay, fill those yeah. spaces. Mm-hmm. And so you're more likely to have the balls at the end and so it's all right. about conserving your balls. Yeah. And also, if there's ever a time when you can lift a ball up, mm-hmm. kind of put it from a lower section onto a uh-huh. higher section mm-hmm. of the pyramid, yeah. Yeah. then you can do that. So that, again, means that you don't have to place a they, new ball. They look like profiteroles. <laughs> <laughs> I did not think that, but now I really want some profiteroles. I cannot unsee that. That is totally like, yeah, white chocolates and dark chocolate oh. profiteroles. Yeah. But no, I, I, I get it, though. Like, So the, the idea is you, you're trying to create these squares so that you can remove two of your own balls in such a way that your opponent has to fill those gaps where they can't remove that and they're just committed to uh, leaving them there well kind of yeah it's more like you don't you've got to try and block your opponent Mm. from making the squares yeah and if they're you want to make your opponent be the one to make a track of four balls because when there's four, then you can put a ball on mm-hmm. top. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, kind of conserving that. Yeah. Uh, Excellent. No, it, it sounds... It, it re- nice, simple-looking, like, aesthetic to it as well. But if it, you like profit really, it's for you. Yeah, but it looks really high quality as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've got three versions, I think. I think yeah. they've got, like... Uh, medium version which is the one i've got okay and then they've got a travel version which is a bit more plasticky and then they've got a deluxe version which is just something that you'd kind of leave out on the table forever yeah. which is quite ornamental yeah, yeah. exactly so yeah. Awesome. i mean i think they're really nice and then they've also got like a giant's version which they only have at conventions a giant one yeah in the <laughs> giant version it's literally i don't know it's the board's the length of my forearm, like, if not bigger. Uh-huh. And, yeah, it's just when you've got giant versions of games, I don't know, there's a bit of appeal there, isn't there? Well, it's eye-catching, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. And it goes back to what you said last episode uh-huh. about presentation and yeah. everything. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. We're, we're, we're a very visually orientated uh, group of creatures, aren't we, human beings? I think so, I think so. And there was one more game that you showed us just before we came on. Oh, yeah. So this is called 42 Hyperspace Expressway. Now, I I love the game already because <laughs> of that name. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so so what are, we, what are we trying to do in this game? So this game is the most mind-bending game ever. Mm-hmm. So basically, you start off trying to... We're looking at a board which is half covered Mm -hmm. by little tiles that have lines on them connecting these planets Mm -hmm. to each other. When you surround a planet, you put your own piece on it. Mm -hmm. Now, that's phase one. And when you put 
your piece on the planet, so you mm -hmm. gain points. Now, phase two comes when you're moving your planet, your ownership markers, mm -hmm. onto your opponent's ownership markers. Um, and then at the... So that phase stops when nothing can be taken, when mm -hmm. everything's like a certain distance away from each other. Right. So... Um, it does look quite similar to Zuro. Mm. The way the board's laid out. I you, can you see that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But a lot more complex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a real mind bender. And here, um, we're just... Yeah, this makes for brilliant podcasting, describing pictures. <laughs> yeah. So this is my housemate, who was utterly flabbergasted at how mind-bending the game was and she was able to <laughs> beat me without oh wow um, yeah. but um, that always stings a bit when you get beat by someone who's not got a clue what they're doing <laughs> no it's like but of neither of us had a clue that's the point yeah. well that, that, that's <laughs> not that's so, so bad but then the other there's another major twist which is if you get more than 42 points mm -hmm. you lose 42 points so basically, forty-two is the highest possible score. So if you get like sixty-four, you've actually only got twelve. So if the other person got like thirty, then yeah. they would win. The, the glass ceiling of gaming. And so coming, it's yeah. kind of: Are you going to aim to get to go around once and aim for like thirty, forty-two, ideally, mm -hmm. or are you going to basically aim for going around twice? And I've still not worked out what you do. Bit of a balancing act. Yeah, because... Yeah, um, yeah I, and I've still not wrapped my... I'm nowhere near wrapping my head around it. Mm -hmm. And I think that if I wanted to, it would be a case of... Yes, yeah, really sitting down for a few minutes yeah. to analyse each move. But this is the kind of game where you play it and you're like, whoa, what's going on? and just go along for the ride. I've never experienced anything like it before, and where my mind is just blown, and it's not like <laughs> I can't keep up, and I'm annoyed mm -hmm. by all the complexity. I'm just dazzled it's by it. It's a lot to keep track of. Yeah. yeah, and then I do it as best as I can, and I'm just, I know I'm not going to be able to understand it, mm -hmm. and I just go along for the ride, and at the end it's like, okay, I managed to somehow score twenty. Some, some stuff happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. I'll be definitely yeah. Well, all of these are good games, and I would recommend them. And like I said, I played like a bun whole bunch of others, but these are a few of the highlights. And yeah. I know I've rambled on enough. No, no not at the, all. the the treasures of Essen always great to to hear about them. Exactly, yeah. ex exactly. But what uh, have you guys played in the past week that's been new to you? Well, I I've had another Pathfinder session. My guy's nearly died again. <laughs> it happens. Tom's really good at it. So nearly is the lad. key kind of thing. <laughs> well, so I think the thing is, though, I I've never played a frontline uh, combat character before. Yeah. I think this is like a reality of, of playing that guy. You you mentioned earlier in your D and D campaign uh, that you came up against a bugbear. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. we we met one. How 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 did you find that? He 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 had a magical greatsword, <laughs> which we I it, it basically how how the fight ended was I was I managed to leather him quite a bit. 
but he'd soaked up something like 60-odd points of damage by this point. Oh, and yeah, like... So we're, we're like level three uh, mm. at the moment. Um, he floors me. Um, I'm down I'm down to, like, the... Because you know how in Pathfinder you go into negative hit points and then when you're okay, beyond yeah, yeah. what your constitution is, you're just dead. Uh, so my constitution's 14 and I got to minus 13 points Whoa. before stabilising... So I very nearly actually died. Uh, Barry's character got knocked out. And you're out. unconscious if you go below yeah. zero. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm out of the fight. It's, it's, it, it represents bleeding out, basically, yeah. the negative yeah. points. Yeah, Barry's character is our other combat character. We, we kind of... I keep calling it a hammer and anvil tactic. I'm the one that puts out a lot of damage, and Barry uh, is a tank. He can mm. soak up a lot of damage. A, a meat shield, to well, use he's, another he's, term. He's got, um, he has a tower shield, and he has a perk that uh, allows him to uh, give a bonus to my uh, armour if mm. I'm stood next to him. It's almost like being a... A like, shield wall. Yeah, yeah. so um, that's the sort of strategy we've been using. Uh, he was knocked out as well, so that left... Uh, Ewan, the spellcaster, who had ran out of spells, <laughs> and Scott, who is the cleric, he's used up all of his healing spells, mm-hmm. and he, I mean he can he can fight a little bit, uh, but uh, he's not that's not what he, he he's meant to do in the party, and Scott managed to deal I think just three points of damage to kill this thing. Yeah. And it was very satisfying. Ewan, uh, <laughs> Ewan got out of his seat and practically did like a football style like <laughs> celebratory tackle. <laughs> so, Slid across the yeah. floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, on the plus side though, I've got a new greatsword to have a go with. Nice. So, Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. So um, that so what we what was happening? We've been investigating a drought. Uh, it ha- it was caused by this magical item this bugbear had stolen from a wizard. So um, we've settled that, and now we're going to head back to uh, the village to see what else we can do. Uh, ben, what have you been? What have you been up to since we last recorded? Well, um, I was in Birmingham mm-hmm. to see the Killers, which yes. was great gig. Mm-hmm. If you ever get the chance to see the Killers, the Killers absolutely go. Um, they put on quite a show. But while I was down there, I picked up a copy of uh, Shadespire with yes. Warhammer Underworlds. Mm-hmm. Shadespire. To use I its, really, its I really want to give this a go. This looks really yeah. interesting. So for anyone that doesn't know, it's um, it's the the box that I picked up is the core set. It has two warbands. Uh, it has the board and all the tokens and the the two decks for each of the respective warbands. And it is a hybrid miniatures deck building game. You have my interest, sir. Yep. <laughs> so each player takes control of a warband. In the core set, you've got uh, five Blood Reavers, which are mm. scantily clad Chaos Warriors. And you have. Why three... are they always scantily clad? That's clothes, the thing. Clothes come at a premium when you uh, live in the Chaos Wastes. Yeah. You know, axes, plenty of them. Shirts, not, not so much. Yeah. Loincloths, though. Loincloths. They have, they have taste, tasteful loincloths. <laughs> so. Taste isn't that, uh, you know, par- what's the word I'm looking for? You know, isn't... It's, it's relative, isn't it? Yeah. Can loincloths be tasteful? I, I, I can tell you what they're more tasteful than. 
Yeah. And that's no loincloth whatsoever. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah. So the intro box comes with that, and they've released two well, expansions. They, they, just to as quickly well. say, the other oh, warband is the Stormcast Liberators, mm-hmm. which are uh, three massive paladin type characters. They are uh, also in in terms of their dress sense, the polar opposite mm-hmm. of the Blood Reavers. They're, they're the opposite of the Blood Reavers in every way. They're uh, a slow, very elite warband, mm-hmm. and they are. They are fully clothed as well. And wearing too much clothes, so you could almost say. Oh, yeah. Well, that's reflected in their movement. So one guy has his helmet off. Yeah. Just letting the side down. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they've also released... I mean, the um, one thing oh, that you said was that this is kind of filling the niche for Games Workshop, that it's a really quick game. Well, and when when I, when I spoke to um, uh, one of my friends about... Uh, establishing a gaming club a number of years ago mm-hmm. one of the things that he said to me was that the biggest killer of war games is card games mm. now the reason for that is war games almost always have quite a long setup time they take a long time to play they take a long time to break down you have to carry a lot of stuff with you as well whereas for a card game you take a deck box a placemat, and you're good to go. You're mm-hmm. set up within about two or three minutes, if that, and the game lasts probably about 15 on average, sometimes mm-hmm. less. Mm-hmm. And as you said, I think that the, um, the introduction of Warhammer Underworlds was very much needed in the Games Workshop lineup because mm-hmm. they all of their games take a long time to set up. They take a long time to even build and paint. Yeah. It's, they're, a, they're a very big time investment. Yeah. Shadespire you can play within about 15 minutes takes about two minutes to set up as well so it it feels as though it's very much designed to appeal to that huge market of magic players yeah so i'm I'm looking forward to uh, giving it a go as both someone who's played the games workshop miniatures games and card games as well yeah. so uh, well, I've, I've i mean played... i wasn't into games workshop i'm not into games workshop but mm-hmm. seeing that it's definitely piques my interest and yeah yeah i'd just yeah. give it to go if nothing else just because it is so accessible yeah very very and... simple game but a lot of tactical yeah. depth as well mm. very That's simple good. to pick up you know okay. Rightio. Uh, well, I think with that, we'll draw part one to a close. So uh, join us uh, in the part two, where we chat more about Bez's games. Thanks very much, guys. See you soon. Bye.